The crazy thing is, this isn't even the weirdest thing I've ever preached in. A few weeks ago, I mentioned my Chi Alpha experience as a student at the University of Alabama in a thing called Smurf Out Poverty, where I preached dressed up, painted up as a Smurf. That is, that is terrible. That is like cartoon appropriation to the fullest. Hey, well, I'm wearing this. One, because we're celebrating Advent here in DC Chi Alpha, and it's the most Advent-like thing that I had in my closet. But also, I didn't feel really confident winning the ugly sweater contest at our Christmas party on Friday. You're invited to that, by the way. But I did want to flex, as German would say. This month, we're really talking, discussing, reading, and praying around the theme, The Weary World Rejoices. What an appropriate way for us to enter this time of hopeful waiting and anticipation. And that's what Advent is all about. See, in our context, I think we're pretty good at celebrating Christmas, even preparing for Christmas. Some of us, there's even a guy in my life group who put up his Christmas lights in August, right? But Advent is less about preparing for Christmas Day then it is about preparing to fully remember, examine, and remind ourselves of what Christmas is about, and that's the coming of Jesus, God in the flesh. And someone once put it like this, that sometimes we're formed more in the waiting than we are in the getting or at the destination. We see that example in the first or Old Testament, where whether it's a prophet or a people group, whether it's a community or a king, they all tend to be, like me, very destination-driven. But we serve a God who loves to be with us, embrace us, teach us, and train us amidst a journey. A lot of times we hope for God's will to be a set of directions. If you're old like me, maybe some printout map quest or some ways, you know, step-by-step directions. But oftentimes, Scripture and the person of Jesus gives us a picture of God's will. It's a lot more like a compass. It's about a direction more than a destination. So yes, even though Advent will culminate in Christmas, this isn't just about counting down to getting. It's about receiving the daily graces while we're waiting. And our primary text for this series is found in the Gospel of Luke. We've been actually going through Luke and the parables of Jesus in Dan and I's life group, but we're going to be in the first part of Luke chapter 1, verse 26, about 10 verses or so. So stick with me, grab a Bible. Maybe you have one on your phone. It's on the screen as well, or you want to pick up a print one like I have. Verse 26, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is actually in her sixth month. 
for nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, Mary's words, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. God, I pray that you would help me, help us to engage in hopeful anticipation. Give us honesty about our weariness, but may we be refreshed by the goodness and the hope of the gospel in this season because we need it and we need you. Amen. When I think about kind of our efforts, our attempts to prioritize our attention and our affection on Jesus amidst this time, which can be so commercialized, let alone so different because of the pandemic and what we're kind of facing collectively. I think of something that Andrew Murray wrote, and I've been reading um, Abide in Christ, which is a really old book. Um, But he said this, and it encapsulates to me what I would hope to experience this Advent. And I'm reading, I think, around the fifth day of this devotional. He says this, Jesus and his love has prepared a home for me with himself when he says, abide in my love. And it's Jesus's power that's undertaken to keep the door and to keep me in if I will but consent and say these words, I am in Christ. In other places in the book, Murray goes on to say that many of us believe in the power of the transformation that we experience when we meet with God at conversion, but we forget that our belief, our faith, our hope matters so that we can be sustained in our new identity in Christ, to be sustained in God's goodness, not just in a moment, but for our entire lives. I think it's in the book of Proverbs that talks about a hope deferred makes the heart sick. And what's really interesting about this passage is that Mary's life is being interrupted, and yet she is afraid and disturbed. Even when she encounters something good, something holy, and something supernatural. I think that's a lesson for us, that when we encounter the presence of God, we might feel comforted, but we also might feel a little bit disturbed or out of sorts particularly when, like Mary, what's being spoken over us doesn't immediately correlate to what's happening around us. And as Revnat and I were talking about this, it's so clear that for Mary, and even for you and I, that there is a present blessing as we read the story of the coming of Jesus. In my own devotional life, I've been reading through Hebrews, or what I affectionately call Shebrews, because I really do believe Junior wrote the book. I've been reading, and what's really interesting, at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, after it goes through what we know is the hall of faith, it's telling these great stories, patriarchs, matriarchs, some seemingly random people who play a role in God's story of redemption. And then the la- one of the last verses in, in chapter 11 says like, but they really didn't get to see the promise fulfilled. And that verse is a little bit confusing because in the Old Testament, there's miracles and there's deliverance. When I think of the person in the story of Rahab, she experiences redemption on a personal level that has generational and genealogical positive outcomes for her and Jesus. 
And yet, the author of Hebrews tells us that the promises haven't been fully fulfilled. Well, why is that? It's because they didn't yet get to see and experience Jesus for themselves. And so the beauty of reflecting on the Christian or liturgical calendar of Advent is that we already know that the blessing is ours. And what is that blessing? It's not December 25th. It's not Christmas presents and stockings or beautiful Christmas trees, all good things, all things that I hope my day is filled with. No, the blessing is that we get to experience and be with Jesus. And just like Mary, who gave birth after a long journey that was uncomfortable, that was difficult, and she gives birth to Jesus, God as a baby in a messy place, in a stable, because there was no room at the inn. It's interesting that hope existed even when the circumstances were difficult. And in fact, if we look at the story of Mary and Joseph throughout the Gospel of Luke, and as we see the life of Jesus begin to develop and mature, we see that the hope is real and it's true and it can change lives. And yet there are still fragments of brokenness and difficulty all around. I share that because I want to encourage you to drink deeply from the cup of hope. To really prepare your heart and soul to experience Jesus. But I want, to, I want you to be careful. Don't expect that to change everything in your life and story. But expect it to change the most important things in your life and story. Scripture tells us that one of the greatest commands is to love God fully with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And those are the things that are most dramatically shifted when we encounter Jesus. And in fact, that's where the world begins to change around us, flowing from that personal encounter and transformation with Christ. In the story in Luke that we read a few verses of earlier, I love Mary's response where she says, I'm the Lord's servant, may it be as you have said. She's saying that in faith, in hope, even though her circumstances haven't magically changed or shifted, even though she's at the very beginning of a nine-month journey of awkward looks, of a difficult story, of trying to explain first to Joseph, thankfully with the help of an angel, and then to others, that although she hasn't consummated her marriage, even though Joseph, her fiancé, sticks by her, she's experiencing something in the physical that started out in the spiritual. And yet she has the wherewithal, the strength, the courage to say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Faith and hope collide in this story and in our stories when we grab a hold of something that's beyond our current moment, that goes beyond what we may be feeling or thinking or seeing. It's when something greater is on the horizon, and in the Christian tradition and in our own beliefs, it's not something that we cultivate, it's not something that we strategize over, it's not something that we kind of form, it's Jesus and God lovingly interrupting our lives time and time again. And in this story that took place thousands of years ago, 
in a Middle Eastern context, we see that Jesus is about to come and this angel is telling Mary that the Holy Spirit is going to move in her life in such a way to produce this miracle. Like most miracles, the situation is pretty sticky. The process isn't pleasant, but there is hope when we trust the miracle giver. Mary's relationship with the Lord clearly started before this moment. In fact, it was her relationship before this moment that allowed her to respond so well in this moment. We see mentioned Elizabeth, a relative of hers. And what's interesting is Elizabeth's husband doesn't have a positive reaction like Mary did. And then he can't like talk for months. And so even though she's still confused, she's still scared. I'm sure she has a million questions about how conception is actually going to take place and what it will be like to carry within her womb a supernatural miracle child, she still says yes. Regardless of what's going on in your life and story, I want to encourage you to say yes to abiding with Jesus. I don't want you to wait until life settles down, till stress levels are low, till finals are over, till the pandemic somehow diminishes for you to spend time with Jesus. In fact, Jesus makes the most sense to us in our times of greatest need. That's why we see people who are in need respond to Jesus so lovingly and desperately in the New Testament. And then people who have it all figured out, whether it's political leaders or religious elites, in the gospel, in the gospel accounts, they typically respond to Jesus without love, without desperation, because they think they have it all together. Just like the hopeful anticipation that Mary is being called to, you and I are being called to that, and we're not experiencing that alone. Millions of believers have practiced Advent listening and waiting, hoping and pondering, wondering how the revelation and reminder of God in the flesh as Jesus will change our lives again. I think if there was one thing that I wish I could communicate to my college self, if I could go back in time, it would be this, is that the gospel transforms us and then it never stops transforming us. See, it's not just like I was transformed once by the gospel or the Holy Spirit filled me once, but scripture talks about a continual dynamic relationship. And we even see that Mary in her faith, in the favor she's found with God, those storylines continue to develop far beyond just the miraculous birth of Jesus. Now, one of the things that we've been talking about as a staff, whether it's in our podcasts or in our staff time, our meetings that we have, it's the importance at times to maybe hold things that seem contradictory in tension with one another. What we're not encouraging you to do is to run fast into the arms of Jesus and then pretend like everything around you is now okay or it doesn't matter. See, the subversive and scandalous nature of grace 
is that Jesus reframes everything for us. And I love that he aligns himself with those that are hurting because he's not afraid to sit with those that are in need. He's not afraid to bring justice, to bring healing, to make a difference. But he doesn't do so because he can't handle those negative emotions. He does so because he conquers death. He conquers sickness. He conquers sin. As I look back on my own life and story, not only is waiting something that very few people would say that I'm good at, but I feel like those difficult emotions that can sometimes even come up around the holidays, maybe it's your family life or disconnection from friends or community, those aren't things to be ignored. But those are things we're to bring to Jesus and then find how his hope and goodness leak onto them. See, the call of the Christian is to live a whole and integrated life. No longer separating kind of the sacred from the profane like we've talked about. No longer separating what seems spiritual to what seems kind of physical and material, but to bring our whole selves. Right now, our world is weary. I feel weary. I'm sure you probably can relate. I'm not the only one. And yet Jesus wants to bring hope into that. And I think he wants to do it in two ways. He wants to remind me of the big picture of the gospel. He wants to remind me that Jesus came. And as Rev Nat will talk about next week, that he's actually coming again. Spoiler alert. But then he also wants to bring hope within me because he does want to work in our stories and in our situations. That's why we see later in Luke one of my favorite parables of the persistent prayer. We see this person who continues to ask and ask and ask. And in the parable, Jesus is basically saying that it's someone who asks unashamedly will get their prayers heard over someone who maybe prays once or prays with a connection or relationship. And I, I love that idea that God isn't offended or put off by our persistence, but that he encourages it. Now, we often don't think of persistence and hope as going hand in hand. But I think that hope is not just a feeling when we think about Advent. It's a choice, and it's not a choice that we make because of our own will. It's a choice that we make when we look into the eyes of Jesus. It's a choice that the Holy Spirit helps us to make. That as we're distraught, as we're disappointed, as we're pressed down, that we realize that our story isn't over, that our identity in Christ isn't in jeopardy, and that even as the world seems like it might be on fire around us, that there is hope. There is hope in Jesus. There is peace when He moves in our lives. There's a love that He offers that we cannot earn and that is so much better, so much stronger, so much uh, more compelling than the love of even another human being. Looking back once more to this passage in Luke, I love that verse 28, the angel opens with this line, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. If you're here, whether you're watching on a Thursday night or on demand later, I want you to know that you are favored. 
And I can say that because the Lord is with you and working in you. And that's really the mark of his favor. His favor isn't necessarily your material success or your good luck at finding the perfect parking spot on your way to do Christmas shopping. No, his favor is his presence and nearness to you. Another place in scripture, it tells us that we are blessed because we've believed in Jesus without having seen him in the flesh. A lot of times I think we wish that maybe we lived in the New Testament times, that we had tasted the food that he miraculously multiplied or that we had been there and seen his ascension into heaven. And those certainly are memorable moments in the Christian story and in Christian history. But what we see is a story progressing from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation of God's presence and power becoming nearer and nearer to everyday individuals like you and I. In fact, the the New Testament authors probably, some of them would envy our position, having seen all through Scripture what Jesus has done, having experienced Him personally, those of us who are Gentiles, not from Jewish descent, and then on top of that, having access to the Holy Spirit. Now, yes, there are some days where I wish that I could see and touch and smell and hear audibly in, in the flesh, in the natural. But this season of Advent reminds me that there's a layer to reality that goes deeper than what's seen. It's like love. You can't necessarily see it. You can see the effects of it. You can see the impact of it. You can see how it motivates or compels people to do certain things. The story of Jesus The story of God becoming flesh, of a king giving up his place to be born into poverty so that you and I would experience life and experience it abundantly, so that death and sin would be conquered, isn't just a story in the past, but it's a story that exists and is alive today. Maybe you're watching or listening, and there's an area of your life or your story that seems utterly hopeless. You feel like there's a part of you that it seems dead. Maybe it's all the video calls and part of you just seems unable to connect or to focus. Or maybe it's something deeper or greater. Maybe it's a hang-up or an addiction or an unhealthy habit. Now is the perfect time to ask Jesus to bring hope into that situation, to invite a brother or sister in Christ that's trusted into that story. Now, healing often starts in a moment, but then it takes a few more moments to fully be expressed or to be lived out. Just like in this story, right? Jesus wasn't born in that moment in Luke 1, 26. No, nine months later, he was born, and that was just the beginning of the story. You might feel like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through this month this next semester. But can I tell you, you're at the very beginning of the story of grace that God wants to write in your heart. Well, what do we have to do to lean into that and live into that? We have to take up the posture of Mary to recognize that we're favored and the Lord is with us. To react and be honest that sometimes we are fearful or disturbed or scared. To remember in verse 37 that the angel declared, nothing is impossible with God. And then to respond, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me 
as you have said. I want to pray for us as we prepare to worship again through song. Would the Holy Spirit visit us in a special way, reminding us that waiting isn't always negative. Also in Hebrews, I'm rediscovering this verse in chapter 11, I believe, that talks about, uh, in the best way possible, waiting can kind of enlarge in who we are to prepare us for what God's going to do. I believe the example used is of Abraham, who was waiting on his promise. Even though he waited and waited and waited, his hope didn't diminish, but somehow it grew, and then it prepared him to steward, to live into, to lean into the miracle that was coming. Now, God didn't cause situations of difficulty. Situations of waiting are available to be redeemed by a God who cares for us and loves us, who won't waste a single moment, whether we feel near or far. God is there and he's forming us. And I want to pray that over us. God, I ask that you'd help me, help my family, help our community, from students to staff, student leaders and new freshmen, help us to grasp in our heart, in our mind, and our soul, the beauty of hope. May we remember all that you've done, and may that give us a perspective that you're still working, and may we be empowered by the Holy Spirit to have an imagination of what you might want to do in our hearts and lives over these next few weeks. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's worship together.